0: Welcome back to Grid, I Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie, D.P. Peters, and the resident moose himself, Mo Nawara. I don't even know why I'm feigning excitement, because I just want to quit football after that game (laughs) last night. If you didn't know, we were three and one going into Monday night football. We had the Colts plus six and a half. Inexplicably, the line opened at seven, seven and a half. It went as high as eight and a half. And then the sharps started weighing in and that line plummeted down to seven minus like one fifteen on Pinnacle. It seemed to be the right side for the duration. I'm going to say 55 minutes we were inside the number. And then Marcus Mariota connected with rookie Taewon Taylor after... I don't even know. The cornerback just got totally lost in the secondary. Colts take a 7-point lead and then dump on some more with that insane Derrick Henry 73-yard touchdown, which ruined fantasy days across the world, including yours truly. So instead of going 4-1... and the Collective goes 3-2, and two, increasing to 14-15-1 in the Las Vegas Super Contest. DP, I was reading through the thread this morning, and you experienced this game after the fact, and your stream of thoughts in the thread was amazing because I got to just re-experience all the horrors that I had the previous three hours. So t- take us through that process of you finding out <laughs> what how much of a horror show this game was for The Collective.
1: Yeah, so I'm at a conference uh, for work, and you know we get we get a they call it resort time between 4:30 and six. So I got to watch the opening half hour. Or so of the game, I saw the opening kickoff, and the you know the Titans took it back what 40 yards, and I was like, oh here we go, right? Um, but then they stalled out in that drive. Uh, the Colts ended up getting some points, ended up taking the lead. They went into halftime uh, up 13 to nine. I'm feeling good. I went to dinner. I'm like, okay, you know, the Colts are up four. They're getting six and a half. That's 10 and a half for us. I feel great. The Titans don't look that good. Colts just really need to close this one out. And then all throughout dinner, my phone was going nuts because of you guys in the Skype chat. And I was you know, I I couldn't see the game because I was preoccupied. But just seeing your messages pop up on my phone, even though I didn't see what the actual messages were, I knew something bad was happening. And every time I got a new notification, uh, a little part of me died even more. Um, and then I checked the score when I when I got a break. Uh, I saw that it was twenty-two twenty-two, and I was like, okay, you know, we still still got some time here. We can still win this. Just somebody kick a field goal and let's get the hell out of here. Uh, next thing, you know, I mean, rich put a message in there. It was like, I'm sick to my stomach or something like that. And I saw that the score was 29 to 22. And I was like, really, we're going to lose by a half point. Uh, As it turns out, we lost by much more than a half point, but, uh, yeah, it just seemed brutal. And then I watched the highlights afterwards. I mean, I've even in the short two, two and a half minute highlight clip that I watched. I mean, some of those plays were just absolutely disastrous. Mo,
0: what is your, what, what was the most egregious part of the game for you. The Doyle fumble, I mean, we had Adam Vinatieri, Hall of Fame kicker, who is 98.1% on PATs, miss one. Thank God he did, though, because that would have been even more heartbreak if we didn't cover because of the goddamn Derrick Henry touchdown. We had cornerbacks running into screens when the screen was fully developed. They just ran into the blocking. Like, what part was the worst for you, Mo?
2: I mean, I don't even know where to start on this one. I think the fumble was the single, if I, the single worst play of the game, and it was one of the worst plays I've seen all year, and it was part of one of the worst, if not the worst, football performances I've seen all year. Jack Doyle can't be on a professional football field. This guy is as bad as it gets. He makes Jason he, Witten look like uh, <laughs> look like he's, he's spry. Why? He couldn't block, he couldn't catch, and he couldn't hold on to the ball. That fumble was embarrassing. The tackler was on the other side of him, and he barely even got a hand on the ball. That was just so putrid. (sighs) Quit football, Jack Doyle. (laughs) This contest,
0: you need so many things to bounce your way. You need so much positive variance when you have 2,700 people entering picks every single week. I mean every single razor sharp edge you absolutely need. And for us to drop that game last night. we could have been back over 500 back in the right direction. I mean, I'm glad we went three and two. And I think overall, I mean, we crushed. Three of us went four and one, and Mo should have went three and two if that game had gone the correct way. So I think we're in a bit of a groove. But man, that that is just like a soul-crushing loss in that game. Let's get to the positives, though. We've we've covered that game extensively. Let's go to Sunday's action, where let's start with a game that didn't make the card. It was the Washington professional football team hosting the San Francisco 49ers. Donnie had this as his number one pick. I was not happy taking the 10 points with the Niners. And the Washington professional football team jumps out to a 17-0 lead. They're absolutely crushing skulls. Brian Hoyer gets the hook. Something Bethard or Bethard, I don't even know what we're going with yet, enters the game. And the Niners come storming back. I was on the road for most of Sunday, and what I did see was red zone, and this game was not on the red zone channel that frequently, so I need to defer to you guys for some analysis on here. Was w- Did the Niners deserve to cover
2: here? Because everything that I saw... I, I think so. Brett was saying uh, he was moving the rock, and uh, I didn't see much from this game, actually, either, but I did see a highlight, and um, it looked like they, they did get inside the number with like a good amount of time left, and then... Um, then I think, I think he threw a pick though, but they were still inside the number and then he scored a touchdown to, in garbage time, but, but they, they got up to, I think, um, 17 to 20 or something like that. So it was like relatively competitive in the fourth quarter.
0: Donnie, are you upset that this game did not make the card?
1: Uh, No, not really. I mean, we got a win uh, with the team that you vetoed in, so it can't be too upset. Like I said last week on the pod, um, you know, I felt like I was in a bit of a win-win situation uh, going into this one because I really like the Vikings as well. Um, So happy with the result. Uh, I mean, I would have liked to have it on the card so that it could win. So I could just tout the fact that, you know what, guys, I was right and you should listen to me. Um, but I can still do that anyway because they covered, so it doesn't really matter. So uh, I'm happy that uh, either way we got to win and we can go forward. I didn't recognize this on Sunday
0: or Friday when we did the podcast, but you went against Kirk Cousins hard at home. Very interesting. Is it because the Nationals uh, blew the first round of the playoffs? I know last year you had a very strong narrative that Kirk Cousins was paying far too much attention to the Nationals did Bryce Harper's ninth inning strikeout have anything to do with your selection on Friday?
1: It could have. Yeah. But I mean, Kirk Cousins wasn't vocal about it this year. So uh, that didn't factor into play, but this was just too big of a spread um, for me to, to give to a Kirk Cousins led offense who, you know, he can, he can be really good, but he can also be really shaky at times. And, you know, like I said, uh, the 49ers coming into last week had one or had lost games by three, three, two and three. Uh, points uh, in, in their four games leading up to it and then lo and behold they lose this game by two points so you know they've they've played really competitive and really close games um they've just happened to to consistently lose games um but you know that's how it is and it, it, it's sort of kind of working out for the better for them if they want to build long term they are in you know tanking but looking good enough that they have future promise ahead
0: washington's such a weird offense man they spread the ball around a ton. The receivers don't really get involved. It seems like Ryan Grant is the most efficient receiver. Jamison Crowder is alongside Moe and witness protection. Uh, Samajay Perine and Josh Doxson catch the touchdowns in this game. Just a really weird team. But they get the W. They're, it's going to be a fun game next week. Them against the Eagles. Two great teams. Or two fun teams, at least. In the NFC East. We'll now go to the game that I vetoed in. In place of the Niners' slurs game, and that is Vikings hosting the Packers. And I was confident going into this game; I thought the Packers or the Vikings would win outright as home dogs. But I didn't want it to happen this way. Uh, this this adds to the saltiness this weekend. I don't care that we got the cover. I was expecting it, even with Aaron Rodgers playing sixty minutes. But he goes out with what is look like look, what well, looks like a broken collarbone that will sideline him for the remainder of the season. We will get Brett Hundley, the third-year quarterback, from UCLA under center for the pack. I mean, Mo, you, we love the GOAT. I don't know about Donnie. Donnie might have a love-hate relationship with the GOAT. But, man, what a disaster that we're not going to get to see this guy for the rest of the season. And, I mean, broken collarbone, that seems like something that could linger... For future seasons as well.
2: Pretty scum hit by Anthony Barr. I don't know. I, feel. I don't know. It's ball uh, was way out of there, I know, and then he but just.
0: It seems like one of those football plays, right? It wasn't like a dirty hit. It was just him continuing the play. I I, I agree that it was quote late, but I don't think it was a dirty
1: hit. I don't think you can fault someone for taking that type of shot against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah,
2: that that as well. I mean,
1: you kind of have to. It's kind of if Anthony... somebody
2: did that to Brady, they'd be in
1: jail. <laughs> oh, yeah, that right would be a. Yeah, but a but, it, but it, if if Brady was knocked out of the game, you, you take the fifteen yard penalty, you take the fine. It doesn't really matter, right? Uh, I think
0: you're both right. Uh, I don't think it was a dirty hit, but it was definitely a, a hit worth a penalty. You know,
2: I don't know. It's kind of just football, but. Yeah, how he didn't get a penalty there is beyond anything. But, yeah, I'm pissed Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be on my TV for the next couple of months. Yeah, it's gross. At least.
0: And then now the the sea's open. The sea's part for both the Vikings and the Lions. And then, I don't know, what, what is something Hunley? You, you watch more unprofessional than any of us. I know he hasn't taken a snap in... Uh, almost a college career, right? This would be uh year four that he's not taking a snap in college football. Any any insight into something, Hunley? What did he have a pulse when he was at UCLMO?
2: Yeah, he was a good player in college. Uh real good athlete. Um, but he was like more of a scrambler than a runner, I would say. Like he's usually looking to pass when he's in the pocket. Um, I don't know how much of that we're gonna see. I'm I'm really curious, I guess, but uh he could be Fantasy, low key, like I don't, know, I don't want to say star, but uh, low key, plug and play, like maybe a lesser version of Deshaun Watson.
0: Well, there's certainly going to be a week to fire him. Uh, spoiler alert: it's going to be this week, playing host. If I got this right, to the the Saints.
1: You got, got it right. right.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> points abound in that game. If you're looking for a streamer, it could certainly be. Mr. Hunley, what about you, DP? What did you take away from this game? Were you impressed by Keenum? I mean, this—it's just—we never really got into the flow of this game because the injury happened when it did. I don't think the Vikings looked very good on offense, and then all of a sudden, they're going to activate Teddy Bridgewater, (laughs) Teddy Bridgewater from the top rope. So I don't—I don't know what to think about this Vikings team right now.
1: I mean, to me, this was not that the score. You know, we predict the score such a wide gap, 13 points. um, But just that the Vikings defense at home, right? You know, they even though they are playing Aaron Rodgers uh, and that uh, very high profile uh, Packers offense, passing offense, you know, the Vikings defense at home can can play with anyone, can stop anyone. So as long as Case Keenum and the Vikings offense was able to move the ball a little bit um, and they did so largely behind uh, Jarek McKinnon, had another really solid game um you know great stuff by them and uh you know it came we came out on top by more of a margin than we expected but you know going into it rich i mean you mentioned at the beginning of this little segment here that you thought the vikings were going to win outright um i would tend to agree that that was very much a real possibility and it turned out that it happened so all the more power to them all the more power to us and you for vetoing them in yeah you tried to get jarek mckinnon on the DFS pod, and
0: we shouted you down from a mountain, yelling chalk. But the chalk came through here, two touchdowns and more than a hundred total yards for the little scat back. I believe he was a corner quarter, uh, quarterback in college, I think. Question mark. Um, and then Laquan Treadwell is a he's a thing. I, I thought he was, you know, hanging out on Sundays with Brashad Perryman and Kevin White in the fake receiver club. Uh, the wide receivers anonymous club. And then all of a sudden we see this one handed grab Mo. Why don't they use Laquan Treadwell? I don't understand.
2: Any explanation? Laquan, the Laquan Treadwell thing has definitely been one of the biggest mysteries. Um, Man.
0: Isn't he good at football? Like what am I missing Five-star here?
2: Our high school recruit fantastic college career at Ole Miss. So, I mean, he's got the pedigree, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't remember where they drafted him, but I mean, with a pedigree like that, I assume he was drafted reasonably high. Is he just piling and then, uh,
0: wives and girlfriends of coaches and daughters? Is that yeah, true? and then like, like what's happening? You know, just
2: beaten out by Adam Phelan, who is admittedly pretty good at football, but it's just, it's just been strange that he just can't get on the field. And then, and then even when they get in the uh, spread it out multiple receiver sets, it seemed like Jarius Wright. Was the preferred target over him? Yeah, I, I've always, you know, it's been really a mystery to me. But maybe he's finally gonna see some time on the field. I guess.
0: I mean, after a catch like that, at least give the
1: guy a fucking look. Like, <laughs> I mean, when you have Michael Floyd getting reps, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just uh, there's, there has to be something to miss that we're not seeing.
0: I'm trying to find snap rates here on PFF at the moment, but I'm I'm failing in real time. I mean, he's out targeting Floyd three to one. He's got 12 targets to Floyd's four, uh, and even Wright two to one. He's got 12 targets to Wright's six. But I I agree. I, I feel like my eyes see Jarius Wright and Michael Floyd on the field as much, if not even more, somehow than Treadwell. Get the kid on the damn field. Let him make some plays. All right, let's uh. Let's go to the other loss. This one, I feel like we certainly deserved. (laughs) You said it two weeks ago, Mo. You said we can't take this team unless we're getting two touchdowns. Cannot click the Browns unless we're getting no less than 14 points. But this felt like such a good spot. J.J. Watt goes down. Whitney Merciless goes down. The offensive line in Houston looks like it's a mess. Deshaun Watson definitely performing way above expectation. Results definitely coming in way higher than they should be. And yet he does it again. And Hogan's Heroes throws the absolutely horrifying <laughs> pick six to Jonathan Joseph. Throws another one later in the first half that Joseph steps in front of. I mean, H- Hogan just, he does not have the arm to throw a deep out. And he gets picked twice on the same damn route. They should just never call that play for him. He, can't, he does not have the arm strength to get the ball outside the numbers more than 10, 15 yards upfield. It's it's horrifying. I think Brett was right. I think this was next-level tanking by Hugh. Get Hogan's heroes in there. Kaiser makes mistakes, but he's at least has pro qualities to him, whereas Hogan is just a dumpster fire. Mo, we can't take this
2: team getting less than 14 points.
0: <laughs> Got to hold on to the rules
2: oops i mean i mean i just don't understand we
0: still almost got inside the number two by the way
2: there's just no way this team can be this bad i don't care who your qb is in pro football you can't be this bad i still don't believe this texans team is anything but a collection of warm bodies but I mean what are the Browns just going 0 16? I mean, is this just the worst team we've ever seen? I, mean, I don't get it. I mean I don't listen, listen they to They did these. not look like it for the first, you know, two, three weeks, whatever that was. Listen to
0: these target leaders for the Browns. Ricardo Lewis, Kaysen Williams, then you have Njoku and, and DJ, actual humans that are not fake made up names. Then our boy something Bryce Treggs who <laughs> was wr1 for the Eagles that one week last week uh, last year Rashard Higgins Sammy Coates back from the dead Seth devalve like who are these guys what is going on in Cleveland ah, this team's just a horror show and then Hogan 37 attempts 140 yards and three interceptions 3.8. Yards per attempt. This guy is not a professional quarterback. I, Donnie, what do you think about the Browns? Can't take them getting less than 14. Just can't do it.
1: Yeah, I think we're just going to have to rethink our Brown strategy overall. I mean, they've been a darling of this podcast for three years now. Um, first year, 2015, we went 4-2 and two with the Browns against the spread in the Super Contest. Last year, 1-2. and two. Uh, This year, we're 2-3-1. and one, So overall... Uh, we're dead even, 7-7-1. Seven, seven so Wait, we've taken the Browns every single week this year? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have. I mean, they're getting astronomical points, and they always seem to be in these really good spots. How can we not take them, right? Oh, man. So, I mean, yeah, we just have to... I think we need to adhere to that strategy. Maybe it doesn't need to be 14. Maybe it needs to be like 12.5, but still it's a shit ton of points that we need with this team because... Every time we think that they're there, I mean, they just they do something totally dumbfounding and just totally suck. I mean, I don't know how you can't just stay in this game against the Houston team, like Mo said, that, you know, they have some talent at certain positions. You know, Nook is wide receiver. Amazing. You have Deshaun Watson, who looks really, really good. But other than that, I mean, the team doesn't look that good, yet they're still able to do it week in and week out, put up these big numbers, largely because of Watson. Um, but you know, they they should have been able to to put up some points on their side of the ball, the Browns, just given the, the injuries to Watt and Merciless, and they weren't able to do that. I mean, just looking at this number of Duke Johnson, three receptions for negative one yards. I mean, that guy, he's been having what, seven to ten targets a game and just going nuts, and you have Watt and Merciless out and you can't get him the ball, you know, to get positive yards out of that guy out of the backfield who's you know, he's basically a slot receiver in a running back's jersey. Um, that to me just screams, I don't, I don't know, disarray all, all around. So I don't know what's happening there in Cleveland, but we might need to really stick firm to this no Browns yeah. rule going forward and adjust our capping accordingly. I think I agree with both of you in your
0: initial premise that the best analysis we can do from this game is on the other side of the ball looking at Houston. I don't think they're very good. Uh, I've not been impressed by Watson. I think he can uncork it for sure. He's got a fun arm and he can get the ball downfield but i'm i'm just still not impressed by the minor things that like like his pick six he's rolling left and he just doesn't set his feet he doesn't move his shoulders the right way he just kind of just chucks it downfield and it turns into the pick a pick six going the other way this team has a bye and then they come back to travel west and play in seattle and i think that might be a beautiful spot
2: to take well, if, the, if Deshaun the, had an arm, he would have been picked number one overall, but his arm's mediocre.
0: I think it's gonna be a beautiful spot to take the Seahawks. Deshaun at CenturyLink that seems like a disaster waiting
2: off a bye, too.
0: Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not really concerned about the bye. The bye's not gonna no. Move.
2: uh, for the Hawks, right?
0: Well, Hawks play in New York this week, they play the G men. This is the Texans bye week, and then the following oh, week they will a play. a couple weeks away, okay. Yeah, in Seattle. So a perfect scenario would be if Eli somehow, as a home dog, wins outright. That game was super inexplicable, <laughs> that Giants-Broncos game. And then the Seahawks get to go home, you know, everyone questioning whether or not they're good or not, and then they get Deshaun at home and just destroy him. All right, last game at the 1 o'clock hour. I told you guys it was free money. Just go to the window every year when the Jets play home to the Patriots and their home dogs. Just walk to the counter, take your money out, get your ticket, and cash it in four hours later. Jets are a phantom Austin, Safarian, Jenkins fumble away from pushing this game into overtime. I mean, hell, they jumped out to a 14 nothing lead against the Patriots, but then Tom Brady and Gronk did Tom Brady and Gronk things and came back, tied the game, and then took the lead at the beginning of the third quarter. But the Jets hung in. They played tough in the fourth. Not a lot of scoring on either side, but the Jets got the field goal. They needed to get inside the number, and we got the cover. Goat Curley made an amazing catch on that first drive that ended with this Safarian Jenkins touchdown. And then he got wide open for his own touchdown. Just a, a lovely game for the Jets. As a fan, I'm actually kind of okay with losing because again, I don't expect anything from this team. So increasing our draft equity by losing is probably the right thing to do, but easily inside the number. DPU, I mean, you've been concerned all season with the defense of the Patriots. You you have to you have to know that this is not a contending team, right? You you know that by now.
1: Well, I think, I actually think that they are a contending team by default because the AFC is not that good. So, even a Patriots mediocre team, because I mean, I think that they look all right on offense and I think their offense is going to improve as the year goes on. But that defense, I don't see that defense getting better anytime soon. And I feel like this just has, you know, look backs to what was it, 2007 to 2010, that run in there when it was all offense, no defense, just relied on the Patriots to outscore teams. Uh, And that's how they won their games. And I feel like we're seeing a bit of that right now. Problem is, no Edelman really hurts. Um, That short passing game isn't there for New England. So they can't just dink and dunk it down the field. Uh, Offensive line hasn't looked too good. They did look a little bit better uh, against the Jets this week, but that seems like it's still a bit far away. And then. Uh, running backs haven't looked that good. Um, not that the Patriots are a big running team, but running backs coming out of the backfield catching balls I figured, you know, Edelman would go down those people would step in the James Whites the Rex Burkhead who has been hurt all season um, Dion Lewis as well not that Mike Gills is gonna catch the ball, but you know Just get them out of the backfield running on those short routes get them the ball quicker protect Brady if the offensive lines week they haven't been able to do that either so It seems like the Patriots are coming back down to earth as opposed to where they've been in recent years, and it's going to be a long, long, long season going into the postseason. Josh McCown finished
0: the week as QB7 in ESPN standards scoring, and only 1.1 points separated him from QB3, Carson Wentz. If you can, stream the quarterback facing the Patriots every single week of course this week's gonna be hard because it's Matt Ryan so he's probably owned in your league but targeting the Patriots with your streamers is certainly the way to go Kean Fahey uh presnapreads.com does some work for ESPN he put out a funny tweet on Sunday and I think it's totally true that the AFC you've got three teams which that match up well against one other team and it's like this circle of matchup nightmares uh the Steelers match up really well with the Chiefs. The Chiefs match up really well with the Patriots and the Patriots match up really well with the Steelers. So it's like this triangle stare-off of Yeah, we can dominate one of the other good teams in the AFC, but the other team is gonna beat us. And it's like what what's just what's the matchup gonna be in that AFC championship game? Who's gonna go to the Super Bowl out of those three? That's what it boils down to. And I think we, we saw that in pass. <laughs> I think we saw that on Sunday in that Steelers Chiefs game. I mean, Le'Veon Bell pretty much did whatever he wanted to. And that Steelers offensive line moved mountains up front against the Chiefs. Mo, any thoughts on this? Jets Patriots?
2: I mean Jets just, free- just pissed the I just I'm just pissed the Jets got robbed of a chance to win the game. That was such a joke fucking call.
0: I'm again draft equity, I'm cool with it. I'm more excited that the Jets have a tight end. And it's not like ASJ, despite missing some time, people might think that he might be older. They might uh, equate this to when Kellen Winslow came to the Jets and just masqueraded as a professional football player during his twilight. But ASJ is 25. So this is a guy that could stick around for a couple of years and be a useful player on this team. And I mean, the Jets haven't had a tight end since Anthony Becht. And I don't even know if you could call him a good tight end. (laughs) He was just somewhat above average, so. It's fun to have a position that's maybe the hardest to cover right now in football. and All those inside routes are just horrifyingly difficult to cover because linebackers aren't fast enough and safeties aren't big enough. So it's, it's nice that we have a chess piece like that that hopefully we can use for a couple years to come. I mean, there's really not much to say about this game. It was a total lock. If you were on the other side, you just, I don't know, Brett, I don't know. I don't just don't know. Take the blinders off, buddy. This uh, this line was a joke. And speaking of the Patriots, we'll talk about them later uh, in our look-eds because I I don't understand <laughs> what I don't understand their line this week. Uh, but we'll get to that in a bit. Last we have to close out with our last win. It was at the four o'clock Eastern hour. It was another home dog winning outright. It was Adrian Peterson coming back. Being GOAT again, this was a game that I don't understand what happened. I I liked our side. Uh, I don't think Jameis on the road, Bucks on the road is a strong unit. But the way the game (laughs) carried out, the way that the Cardinals offensive line, which couldn't get push for the entire season, moved guys like Chris Baker and Gerald McCoy and Quan Alexander and Levante David and Adrian Peterson ran for more than 100 yards i does does anybody have an explanation for what happened here mo is this a this this had to have been just a complete outlier right we can throw this game out
2: i mean yeah you know i I, brett said when he was watching the game he didn't think adrian looked that good um didn't get to watch any of this one really uh this was, a, you know, I'm over here. I don't have red zone this week. I won't have red zone hopefully this weekend either. Things go according to plan. But a couple weekends without red zone, and I'm just sick, a little bit lost on some of these games like this uh, This one, for example. I didn't get to see one second of it live, I don't believe. Um, it looked like the Bucks, who looked pretty pukey in a lot of spots the last few weeks, are actually that pukey. I think this team is just really bad. I don't really have an explanation for it because the talent level is like at least at league average, but something is going on with this team where they're just not playing up to par for sure. Injuries are playing a part, but uh, I think I thought their defense was relatively healthy coming into well, this. That's week. the
0: thing that so here we have Tampa Bay sixth. In rush offensive, uh, rush defensive line play efficiency, according to Football Outsiders, performing twenty four percent better than the meme. Gerald McCoy was back. Baker was back. Quan Alexander was back. Levante David was back, and they play Arizona, thirtieth in rush, uh, rush blocking, DVOA, just horrifying up front, uh, stuffed rate of of 23 in the league. So they're just couldn't be worse at run blocking. And yet (laughs) they start moving mountains. Like you don't need to, you don't even need to watch the game to, to be baffled by those matchups and what happened there. I don't, there's, there's some things that you hope that you can just say, okay, this unit is at least good at doing this. And I can trust that read and, Everything was flipped on its head in this matchup. It made no sense. Nothing made sense. It's troublesome. Sometimes it's, it you say it in the chat, can't predict ball. I, how can we make predictions when things like this happen? Doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, how can you expect um, puke Eli and this horrifying giants offense to just come out and completely outperform? Denver and and at the same time on the other side of the ball a giants defense that's been pretty much trash all season just locks up a Denver offense that's been great at home DP any thoughts on AP and that
0: now
1: Yeah he did not look good. I watched a bit of that game. Um, I mean the holes were like canyons out there. Also this game made me I mean, we've been questioning Bruce Arians on this podcast all year um, saying that, you know, he kind of was that that number two coach um, for a while, at least, you know, he could certainly be in the conversation as the number two coach in the league. But this year he's really fallen off. And and this game, I'm, you know, just I understand that that the game got off to a big Cardinals route and AP is going to get a ton of carries uh, in that regard. But Starting off the game, initially handing the ball off to Adrian Peterson, who is a shell of himself. I mean, it worked, but it's one of those things where if you're looking at something and being totally results oriented, I think that this could really hurt them in the future. I mean, Andre Ellington, who's been killing it in the passing game, uh, got one target. I mean, he didn't catch it. Um, He didn't get any carries. So if you're just going to feed the ball to Adrian Peterson, you're never, you, you're not going to get this production for the rest of the year. You're just not going to happen. The the I w- I'd say that the Bucks have a they had a really shit, um, and it just happens that sometimes teams don't like to show up. This week it was the Bucks, uh, they didn't show up at all, and they got gashed because of it. But I mean, Adrian Peterson was he was hitting these holes slow, so slow he was wasn't accelerating. I mean, he he looked a bit like Legarrette Blunt. He looks really heavy out there. Um, as Mo said, you know, cinder blocks for feet. Uh, he, I, I wasn't impressed by it. I mean, yeah, he got the job done and LeGarrette Blunt has gotten the job done in the past, but I wouldn't put a ton of stock into this sort of thing, uh, going forward for the Cardinals. And I, and if we're going to be picking them, if you're looking at them for fantasy value, I really hope that Bruce Arians doesn't now buy into the fact that, oh my God, we have AP, we need to run all day with him because the guy's amazing. No, he's not amazing. Um, and he's not going to ever do this for the rest of the year. Yeah,
0: B.A.'s downfall has always been his stubbornness, it seems like. Oh, the whole league is passing. We need to pass downfield 85% of the time, even though Carson Palmer is a disaster. And now we're seeing now, oh, we've got Adrian Peterson now. He's a Hall of Fame running back. Let's just feed him and not put Andre Ellington on the field ever. (laughs) It makes no sense. And I totally agree with your assessment and Brett's assessment, of Mr. All Day, Adrian Peterson. I mean, he can't get to the edge much anymore. I still like him between the tackles because his, I mean, his leg strength is absurd. He, he can get inside and he can drive with his legs and get those tough short yards, but he's never going to do the things where if you're running like a stretch play, uh, that he's just going to make one cut, get past a linebacker and just go downfield. That's not in his repertoire anymore but between the tackles you know if you need him to get four yards on a play that's really blocked for two yards I still think he can do that but he's never going to take the six yard run and turn it into a 50 yard run so
1: but that's that's a you know that's kind of a good reason why he's a good fit for this team you know you have Andre Ellington who's not really a a pure runner he's coming out of the backfield catching balls and whatever Kerwin Williams who the hell knows what that that thing is um, so AP is that guy, you know, if you do get up some points and, and Arizona can put up points, they do have a decent offense and Carson can still throw the ball and they love to throw the ball. Then he can pound it if you need to, but don't be stubborn, Bruce. Don't be like, I need to give this guy the ball 25 to 30 times a game. Cause one, he's not going to last two. He's not going to be averaging, you know, four to five yards per carry. Like he did in this game. He's going to be more around the two and a half to three yard range. And you're going to be kicking yourself for doing so after the fact.
0: So three and two a brutal three and two for the collective, which puts us back we're in the middle of the pack in the contest. We need to string together. We I was always about those body blow life. Three and two, three and two. But that's if you get off to a good start. Because I mean honestly sixty percent is great in this contest, but we need to we need to string together some four and ones and five and os to get back into con competition before we can start landing These three and two body blows. The current leader is Tunnel Vision. He went a perfect, he or she went a perfect five and oh this week. Laid the five with the Saints, took the three with the Vikings, took the ten with the Niners, took the two and a half with the Rams, and then took the four and a half with the Steelers. They went from third in the contest to first. Their worst week, their worst week was a three and two outing. In week five. So just killing it this season so far 24 and six. That is a very impressive run. Uh, Bill Simmons, three and two this week.
1: Uh,
0: do you have Mr. Dwayne, the Coffee Makers numbers over there, DP?
1: Uh, yeah, he went uh, two and three on one card and 0 and five on the other.
0: Man. R- killing R- it. RIP Coffee Maker.
1: I just want to quickly uh, correct something. Uh, Go for it. Here. We we haven't had the Browns every every time this week. That was last year's stats. The two three and one. We were one and two with them this year. So I had those numbers backwards. Okay, few. I mean, but we're still still seven seven and one overall over three years with the Browns.
0: So we're still winners. I mean,
1: yeah, we're we're winners. Winners by a half point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Razor sharp edges. I'm telling you, that's all this contest. We're winners in the super
1: contest, but if you're betting actual money, you're you're breaking even or you're losing the juice because you're getting that push. We are getting juiced.
0: Okay, we're going to take a look at the week seven lines briefly. But first, here is the god, Burt Minotti, with three fantasy takeaways from the week that was.
3: Burt Minotti! Burt Minotti! Hey guys, Brett here to give you three fantasy football takeaways for week six of the NFL season. Number one, Aaron Rodgers is probably done for the year. Fantasy owners, don't panic and go trading for a low-end quarterback one right now. It's time to start streaming. There are plenty of viable options off the waiver wire every week. If you study matchups and plan ahead, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to stay competitive every week with a below-average quarterback who's in a good spot. This week's top option might be Josh McCown of the Jets against the Miami Dolphins. The Finns ranked 29th in pass defense efficiency according to Shark Football Stats. McCown has looked great this year given the lack of weapons at his, at his disposal. But with Austin Safarian Jenkins stepping into a larger big play role, Matt Forte is back. We might see Bilal Powell back this week. McCown can lean on some other guys to make plays after the catch. This offense is probably better than you think. So McCown is a fine fantasy streaming option for Week 7. Other quarterbacks in good spots this week. Jared Goff against the Cardinals. Tyrod Taylor against the Bucs. Taylor coming off the bye he's at home and even though he's missing several key receivers he still offers a very safe floor in fantasy because of his usage in the run game number two I'll admit Adrian Peterson looked better than expected in his debut for the Cardinals on Sunday he carried the ball 26 times 103 138 yards two touchdowns it's clear Bruce Arians is just, is just going to run this guy into the ground for the rest of the year. So where does that leave Peterson in terms of expected fantasy value the rest of the season? I think at best, he's a running back too going forward. A lot of his production will rely on game flow. If the Cardinals are ahead... We'll see more Peterson, especially late in games. But if Arizona's playing from behind, which I think will happen a lot on the road, you'll see more of Andre Ellington when the offense is in passing situations. If you're, a, if you're a Peterson owner, take a look at the game script every week. If Peterson's likely to touch the ball 15-plus times, throw him into your lineup. Otherwise, I think the answer is no. Stick him on your bench. Number three, I came into the season extremely high on Mike Gillislee in the Patriots' run game. But after six weeks, the split in the backfield is muddier than I could have possibly imagined. On Sunday against the Jets, James White, Deion Lewis led the way with 29 snaps apiece, and Gillisley was on the field only 13 times. He did touch the ball 10 times, but that was one fewer than Deion Lewis, while James White had seven. Gillisley hasn't touched the ball more than 12 times in a game since week two, and right now, is solely dependent on goal line usage to be a starter on your fantasy team. Lewis has been the most efficient back of late. I think his stock is now on the rise. If he's available available in your league, snag him up. Bill Belichick has been known to ride the hot hand at times, and Lewis could just be that lottery ticket that leads you to the fantasy playoffs over the second half of the season.
0: And we are back. Thanks to Brett for those fantasy takeaways. All right, let's take a brief look ahead at week seven. We touched upon that Jets-Pats game last week ended up being on the card. It was one of those lines where you see it and you're just like, there's no chance that I'm not wagering real American dollars on it. And I am again interested in the Patriots, but I'm interested in them this week They play host to the Falcons. It is a Super Bowl rematch, and I do not understand this three-and-a-half point line. Donnie, can you explain, as the New England homer, can you explain why this line is so short?
1: Um, Well, I'm on the other side of you, Rich. So, uh, yeah, I think I can. I mean, I think that this Atlanta offense has the possibility to absolutely shred the Patriots' defense. Um, I'm sorry. I just don't think that the Patriots' defense is good at all. Um, I did my initial capping. I was right around the number, um, of this three and a half. And I don't think that the Patriots deserve to be anything more than three points. If that, um, I had them as two and a half point favorites. Um, the, the, the worst thing that I'm worried about here is just the narrative of the, the, the Super Bowl hangover and knowing what happened to them and then having to go to New England and play that team that came back against you and that totally biting the Falcons in the ass. But if the Falcons just play defense with the weapons that they have, with the quarterback that they have, they should be able to absolutely dismantle this Patriots defense and and score easily with the Patriots offense if they're going to be putting up points and, and outright win the game. So I'm going to be looking at the Falcons here, uh, if anything.
0: Mo, what are your thoughts here on this Pat's Falcons game? Am I crazy for thinking that this line is too low?
2: I think you might be a tad crazy. Um, I think the number looks fairish on first glance. I haven't done any deep dives yet, obviously. Still recovering from the moose slapping me in the face <laughs> with his dick. But uh yeah, I mean, I think Patriots slightly over a field goal favorite sounds fairish. Uh, it's It's been a weird season for the Falcons, you know. They started off looking pretty good, surprising us, as many of us, especially you, Rich, expected a not-so-great team. And then they have predictably – you were banging the regression drum and they predictably turned into a not-so-great team. So, um, you know, I'm not impressed with the Patriots at all either. So this one's – a little bit tough to get a read on. If anybody plays up to their potential, I could see a ten point win either way here. But uh, you know, I mean, just the Patriots. I've said from square one, I, I didn't understand how they could be this bad, but they are, I guess. So, I you just, know, I don't. They I, spent all the money on their defense. I don't understand
0: what the market is doing here. I guess, and maybe I'm making the same mistake last week that I did with the Lions, just taking them based upon the market and, and looking at nothing else. But why why aren't the people that just piled, I mean, absolutely piled on the Patriots, minus 9.5 on the road, In so that's essentially minus 15.5 at home. Now they're playing host to a team that lost outright as 13-point favorites at home lost outright as 13-point favorites at home to the Dolphins, and the line is only 3.5, and and it's 50-50. In fact, it's actually moved. It's 53-47 in favor of the Falcons. What are people I don't understand it. I don't comprehend.
2: I mean, this is one of those things where you got to remember the Super Bowl is always, especially, you know, what happened last year it's always going to still be fresh in people's minds even though it was that far away you know and everyone who watched that game knows atlanta was the right side everyone who had a bet on that game definitely knows atlanta was the right side and i think there's going to be a little bit of narrative they here, too you know people are expecting atlanta to come out and you know vengeance on their mind but you know I don't know. I kind of, I mean, the fact that the public is on the Falcons definitely makes me want to look a little bit harder at the Patriots in the spot. I mean, it's not too long. Too, it's not too often you can click on the Patriots, fading the public as a favorite. I mean, that that's is what pretty I mean.
0: Wild. Like, this is such a golden spot. I, You guys are going to laugh at where I, where do you think I cap this after all this this talk? Where do you think I cap this, Mo?
2: Well, when you guys had said it was three and a half, I thought the Patriots were on the
1: road. That's
0: what I mean. What is happening? I had this as minus eight.
1: Well, I, I think you're fucking insane.
2: They
0: were just. Yeah, my, I can
2: never
1: see them hanging a line like that. Well, they were uh,
0: just minus 15 and a half. Essentially.
2: Hanging, I could see them hanging like six and a half.
1: Yeah. And did you see what Cade and them boys did to the Patriots defense with those wide receivers? I mean, come on. This This Falcons team should shred this Patriots defense. Shred them. Matt Ryan on the road. Matt Ryan on grass. I mean, yeah, like I said, the, you have to worry about the Falcons just totally shitting their pants when they come into to Gillette Stadium. But I also think that even though this line is relatively small at three and a half is what it, it opened at, I think that there's still a little bit of tax on the Patriots side just because it, they're such a public team that they're going to hang the line a little bit higher but than expected. No, but so I think it need it should, in reality, it should be less. but. But they're not a public team, it looks like,
0: because <laughs> this line's a joke, and a slight majority are betting on Atlanta, who, let me remind you, just lost as 13-point favorites. They lost outright. I don't understand what's happening. I'm losing yeah, I mean, my I, mind. I get here.
1: that, but I think that, that Atlanta, anytime Atlanta plays, no one pays any attention to if they win or lose, um, just my personal opinion. Um <laughs> And I don't think that, that the fact that they lost the outright at home to Miami is huge favorites. I don't think that really registers. I think something that registers much more is what Mo brought up, and that's the Super Bowl last year and what happened. I,
0: I If this line remains the same, the Patriots are a Vince Carter jumping over a seven-foot Russian slam dunk lock to cover. Well, what
1: I what I think is going to happen in this game one way or the other is it's. I think it's going to be a blowout one way or the other. I don't think it's going
2: to Carter jumped over a French guy, bro. Oh,
0: it wasn't a Russian guy. Damn it.
1: Damn it.
2: Close enough. Some, Euro, some
1: Euro trash. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hashtag Euro trash. Uh, that's really the the one line that jumped out to me. DP, did any lines uh, stick out to you when you did some early capping?
1: Um, Saints Packers one. I was off by on that one. Um, I'm a little bit... Uh, surprised that the Saints are such big favorites. Um, I mean, I think that that's also the book setting up what they think the public is going to be perceiving this game as. Um, I think the, the Saints should be much less of favorites. I do agree that they should be favored, especially with Aaron Rodgers out. I just, you know, Saints on the road in in Lambeau Stadium, to me, just smells like a disaster. I don't care that Aaron Rodgers is out, and, and the Packers defense isn't that good. That just smells like... Uh, a mess for the Saints, especially coming off, what was it, 58 points or whatever the hell they threw up this week uh, against the Lions. So that one that one smells a little bit to me. Um, I was off on the Raiders Chiefs, but we don't do Thursday games, so who really cares? Um, but yeah, I mean, I was off by two or three points in a few, few spots, so we'll see where they end up. 66% of the
0: public lining up to lay six on the road, Saints at Packers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's just seems that just seems nuts.
0: That is prime. That <laughs> is just a prime spot. I mean, opened at three and a half and just steams to six because people are piling money. I I, I I can't really wrap my head around that. And then another interesting line, I don't think I have any qualms about it, but I don't know, man. Hawks at Giants, Giants getting six, another massive home dog. I'm I'm shocked at where they hung it because of what just happened on Sunday night and how well the Giants played. But of course, Hawks coming off a bye. Same style of defense that the Broncos play. So that suffocating secondary, that's just not going to give Eli anything. But Eli just succeeded against that. I, do, I just don't know what I'm watching anymore. I'm confused by this game. Seems like the public would be all over... The giants, but they're 50, 50 right now. They really haven't weighed in. So th- I don't think I'll be anywhere near this game, but it's, it's super intriguing to me where they hung the line and where the public has reacted.
1: I agree. I was off on that one by two and a half or three points. I had it as Hawks minus three. Um, so depending on where you're looking at the line, uh, it's five and a half or six in most places. So, I mean, three point favorite on the road. That's a, that's a big favorite on the road yeah. in today's NFL. I just don't, I can't see five and a half. I mean, six points. What? No. I mean, I'm not that. I'm. I don't. I think that the Seahawks are better than the Giants. Yes, but I'm not really that impressed with the Seahawks all year.
0: Six-point road favorites. The total in the games thirty-eight and a half. So I guess the Giants just again aren't going to score. That's that's what the projected team total is. is
2: n- I think they're not going to score. I mean, I thought that last week. That's what I mean. I, thinking I, that this week. I
0: thought it, I thought that yesterday too. Or Sunday, and it just didn't come to fruition. The other game that, uh, Mo, I'll do you you have any? Did you? I know you didn't get to do any extreme capping, but does anything initially did you get to take a look that is surprising to you?
2: Yeah, just looking at these, uh, there is one that I definitely think would likely be my top play. I like the Bengals a lot coming off a bye.
1: Okay, good, good, Um, good.
2: Getting the Steelers team that's. At max, absolute max value after the public saw them throttle the Chiefs in a game. The public was all over the Steelers and they are all the Chiefs. So when the Steelers just took their money, they're going to want to come back, turn around and put it on the Steelers. And uh, this Bengals team, probably just as good.
0: And Andy Dalton,
2: I I don't have the number off
0: of me, but Andy Dalton versus common opponents. As opposed to uncommon opponents, and what that means is, uh, against teams that Dalton plays a lot, for some reason, Dalton is way better (laughs) against uh, against. I think it's he's way better against the common opponents. I believe I might just be screwing this all up. I believe it's Rich Rebar of Roto World, and I believe it's in common matchups that Andy Dalton plays for some reason way better than uncommon matchups. It's just one of those bizarre things that sticks out. Like, when he plays a new side, he's just kind of lost and uh, and clueless out there. And, yeah, I, I don't know. Five points seems pretty high, and everybody and their mother is going to be on the Steelers uh, when
1: this gets to... Uh, it's five and a half at Westgate right now.
0: Moving on down. I think it opened uh, a little higher than that. Uh, I mean,
1: that that seems way
0: too high. The other game that I wanted to, to mention... Real quick, just because of what the public is doing, is this Cardinals-Rams game. Uh, it is the London game. Bust out your tea and biscuits. Cardinals are getting three and a half neutral site against the Rams. And 75% of the public, 66 sorry, 66% of the public is on Arizona after the big home win. They have to do a bit of traveling. Remember, the Rams were in Jacksonville, and they're just going to skip across the pond early and get to England, whereas Arizona has to travel all the way from the western part of the United States to England. And aren't the Rams just way better? (laughs)
1: Oh, my (laughs) God, I can't wait to see AP run with jet lag legs. (laughs) That's going to be a fucking treat.
0: Right into the loving embrace of Aaron Donald as well. Like, aren't the Rams just way better at football than the Cardinals?
2: I mean, this line's pretty much indicating they are.
0: For sure, but the public is not. And it's the 3.5 is minus 117, which leads me to believe this line might be coming down. I, I think I, I agree, Mo. I think it's a fair line, but I'm more so interested in why the public is so interested in Arizona. I, I don't think I'll be touching this game, but I'm, I am I'm baffled by... I'm just baffled by what people do. I, just, I don't. I can't put my finger on it. Sometimes, can't predict ball, whatsoever. Anything else, or shall we let the people go and enjoy the rest of their Tuesday? No other lines. What's the deal with Zeke? Is he, is he suspended or what? Fuck, Derrick Henry is right.
1: Uh,
0: I think Zeke is expended.
1: I don't. I mean, know. Are, are they appealing it? Or I thought I was off on this line, so I'm just. I don't know. I. Tried to find out what information. It all seemed very vague from the quick search that I did. From the last thing that I read is
0: that Zeke is going to have an emergency hearing appeal in New York sometime this week. But as of now, if the games were to kick off right at this second, Zeke would be suspended for this game and the next five games. That is what I understand. But he could always appeal to a higher court and get it... uh, Paused again, but at this
1: time he is suspended.
0: What, what dir- did you have this off in the Cowboys' direction or the Niners' direction?
1: I the Cowboys are what are they? They're six right now. I did not have them as six point favorites. Sorry, not doing it. <laughs> do I it. love my Niners this year. Your you Niners. Take, you take away Zeke. I mean, I, I love my Niners and the fact that I like picking them this year. But you can't take the Cowboys as massive six-point favorites on the road without Zeke. I just don't think that that's a thing you can do. Like I said, 49ers have been competitive every single week.
0: Cowboys coming off a bye. Dak has looked okay. I don't
1: know. Cowboys coming off a bye, and all they've talked about is Jerry Jones benching his players (laughs) if they kneel for the anthem. Uh, You know I don't believe in that crap. Uh, I don't know. Jerry Jones is a clown. His team is a bunch of idiots.
0: Oh no, no, no! I, I I would, I believe Jerry Jones would do that. I just don't believe that narratives play a role in any of this. I don't
1: think it's a thing. I think narratives play a role for certain teams, most specifically the Cowboys, because of Jerry Jones and how he runs that operation. And also, I think that the Steelers and the way that Mike Tomlin runs things over there—that's a total shit show as well. (laughs) Down to Narrativeville.
0: So on that note, fuck Derrick Henry, fuck the Tennessee Titans. Horrifying loss. 3-2, and hopefully improving upon that moving forward. This has been the recap podcast. A little less salty than I thought it would be. This is definitely salty at the beginning, but good job keeping spirits high, gents. Follow these guys on Twitter. We've got at Donnie underscore Peters and at Mo Nuwara, N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H. I'm at Rich T. Ryan. We'll see you on Thursday for the DFS podcast, and then our picks will come to you on Friday. Enjoy the rest of your week. See you later. Peace. Ow.